The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Today, and I've been thinking about this for a long time now, we're going to begin a new sermon series, and it's called wide as the ocean. And you're going to see that phrase almost word for word in our lesson here this morning. I've been thinking about all of the, the deep spiritual needs that, that people have, especially in this new age in which we're living. We could call it the pandemic age. To minister to people's fears and anxieties. They're, they're yearning for meaning to understand, to bring a word tailored exactly what we need that is based on what we know to be true. God's inspired holy word to bring us to Jesus, our risen Savior. And so that is exactly what we're going to do this morning. We're going to bring a word and this morning, I want to minister to this need, this, this yearning inside of us to bring meaning to understand what God is doing through a crisis like this. And I, and I want to turn to the book of Job for this. And I, and I think you can understand why the book of Job would minister to us so powerfully this morning. So let's, I want to invite you to look at your screens there and read to you from, from Job. This is chapter 11 and starting at verse 7. Here's what, here's what Zophar says to Job. Can you fathom the mysteries of God? Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than the heavens above. What can you do? They are deeper than depths below. What can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and wider than the sea. There it is right there. Wide as the sea. If he comes along and confines you in prison and convenes a court, who can oppose him? Surely he recognizes deceivers, and when he sees evil, does he not take no? But the witless can no more become wise than a wild donkey's colt can be born human. And this, brothers and sisters, is Christ, is the word of the Lord. Zophar is me. That's really the only way I can put it. Zophar, if we could say it in this way, even in church, Zophar is a jerk. And we could even say it this way, that Zophar is as mean as Satan himself. Because Zophar, one of Job's friends, comes to Job 
And we know what happened to Job. He lost all of his children, all of his wealth. His wife turned on him, and now some plague was afflicting his body so that he thought he was going to die. And Zophar goes to Job, who had literally lost everything, and was he thought about to lose his life. Zophar comes to him and says, you know what? Job, you deserve this. In fact, Zophar's meaner than that. Zophar actually says to Job, Job, you deserve worse than this. Job, God has even forgotten some of your sin. Can you imagine somebody showing up at, you know, at somebody's funeral and they say to the parent, you deserve this to have your kid die? I mean, Zophar is an absolute, unadulterated jerk. Job's other friends, um, Bildad, he had the same kind of message for Job, but at least he said it like in a, in a way that was Midwestern nice, like with, with a, a smile painted on his face. But not Zophar. So far is just plain mean Job. You deserve it. Now, it pains me to say it because Zophar really is mean here. But Zophar is also, in a sense, in our verses for today, right. He's actually right, and he's not just nice, he's actually right in the, most, in the most beautiful, in the most poetic kind of way. I mean, think about, think about what he says. He says, Job, can you understand the mystery of God? Job, his plans... His ways, his wisdom is higher than the heavens. Job, his redemption, the way that he goes about things, it's as deep as the sea. The way that God plans and and wants to prosper you is, is high and wide and long and deep in in a way that that none of us can possibly fathom. So Job, what can you know about God? What can you really say about Him? And, and, And what can you say about your personal disaster and crisis? What can you really And when Zophar says this so beautifully and and poetically, he's right. 
He, he, he's absolutely right. He, he, he's only saying what Isaiah said when he said that God's thoughts are not my thoughts and God's ways are not my ways, but they are certainly wise and good. He's really only saying what, what Paul said when he got to that part in the book of Romans and all his heart could, could do was well up in doxology and say, Oh, how marvelous the wisdom of God. Look. Zophar was right. So was Isaiah. And so was Paul. But Zophar was also wrong. He was very wrong. And in fact, in starting at verse 10, I mean, Zophar is is so wrong that he actually makes a fool out of himself. I mean, what, what Zophar says at the beginning, it's all right, it's all beautiful. God is all mystery. He is all wisdom, and we cannot possibly fathom him. But then Zophar gets it all wrong because Zophar begins to claim that he knows exactly what God is thinking. It's ironic how wrong he is, right? He's, he's so right and that he's so wrong because what he does is he implies that he knows why Job is suffering. He knows why Job is going through crisis. And he says, Job, you must have done something wrong to deserve this. God is not going to just walk by and ignore the sinful things that you have done. God cannot be deceived. And if he's got you in a prison, if he's got you stuck at home, it must be because you did something wrong. And then Zophar goes on to say, Job, you're an absolute fool. And you're so foolish that you have no chance at becoming wise. You have more of a chance at becoming wise than a donkey has at giving birth to a human being. It's never going to happen. See, so far, was so right about how mysterious and unfathomable God is, and then he's so wrong to claim to know exactly what Job, he was doing to Job. He was so wrong, and I want you to hear me say this. He was so wrong to claim to know Job's why. And yet, there are so many today that claim to know our why. Don't be so far. Don't be a fool. Philip Yancey is a popular Christian author, and he wrote a book called Where is God When It Hurts? And in the beginning of that book, Philip Yancey describes exactly what happened to Claudia. Now, Claudia was a woman who had been diagnosed and was suffering from advanced Hodgkin's disease. And members of Claudia's church would, would visit her in the hospital. And 
a well-meaning woman came into the hospital room of Claudia and she said, Claudia, you need to repent. There's some sin in your life that you've committed against God that God has revealed through this cancer. Repent, Claudia. And then the woman left. Another church member walked into Claudia's hospital room and this church member says to Claudia, Claudia, now is the time to name it and claim it. Now is the time for the victory of faith. If you would just pray and believe with all your heart, then this cancer would go away. Claudia, claim your victory. A little while later, the pastor walked into the hospital room and the pastor had a different message altogether. He said, Claudia, you've been chosen for this. Kind of like Job was chosen. You've been chosen to be tested and to come out like gold, just like Job to be an example to the rest of us. And then he went home, and it went like that. People coming, claiming to know Claudia's why, to know Job's why. You can imagine that Claudia was both confused and also a little bit angry with people. You see, there's some things that we can certainly not know in the middle of disaster and crisis, and yet we want to know them. We want to name them. We're not unwilling to leave them to the mystery and the hiddenness of God. I, I read an interesting blog by a pastor this last week. And he admitted openly that he was struggling with COVID-19 and all of the ramifications, frustrated. And his wife said to him, you know, part of what's happening here is that we're struggling to understand. And we're absolutely going through our lives right now trying to give meaning and to understand the very mysteries of God. When, when, for example, when we, go to the, when we go to the grocery store, everything takes such concentration to avoid getting this thing. It's almost like there's these Harry Potter dementors that, you know, the dementors from Harry Potter that are constantly sucking at us and, and draining us of our energy. And if we could just understand it, if we could just give it meaning, then we could reclaim some of the power that we've lost. But we can't. We cannot know with any kind of certainty what God is doing. There's an important question buried 
in the middle of our verses from today. What can you know? Do you see it there? Right in the middle of our verses. What can you know? And, and, and Zophar is, is using the question to attack Job, to get Job to realize that he cannot possibly understand the mystery of God. But stay with that question for a little bit. What can you know? We've certainly already said what we cannot know. There is so much that we cannot know that we must leave to mystery, to hiddenness, God's plans and purposes in this. But what can you know? You know, if you keep reading the book of Job, Job answers that question. And in the middle of his misery, in the middle of his pain, in, in the middle of his loss, the Holy Spirit rises up inside of him and he says, I want you to write this down. In fact, I want you to get out an iron tool and I want you to describe this in stone so that everybody can see it. And he said, this is what I know. I know that my Redeemer lives. And in the end, I will see God. I and not another. And in that moment, Job became a prophet. Because what he saw and what he knew was Jesus. You see, when Jesus was crucified on a hill with two other criminals, it looked meaningless. It looked senseless. And nobody could understand what God was doing. But look at what he did. By, by coming to us through Jesus, through his suffering and death, he not only joined us in solidarity in all of us, uh, in all of our sufferings, he did more than that. He took our place. And he suffered for every single one of our sins so that on Easter Day, he would proclaim over us in Jesus' holy and saving name, you are forgiven. What can we know? What can you know? You can know this. You have a Savior God. You have a God who knows suffering. You have a God who has said your sins are all forgiven. You have a God who has risen from the dead. You can know this like Job knew it. Get out your chisel and inscribe it in stone forever and ever and ever and say, I know that my Redeemer lives. That's what you can know. Among all of the things that you cannot know. 
You know, I've been thinking about this because I want to call on you, church, to rise up in these days and to share this faith that, that we have this confidence that God has risen Jesus from the dead and that Jesus is sitting at God's right hand. I've been thinking a lot about what we know and what we don't know and how much people need to know that. You know, I'm just feet away from Roosevelt Avenue and people are going by. You know what they don't need, church? They don't need our guesses. They don't need our uncertainties. They don't need us to tell them exactly what God is doing or what we think that God is doing. You know what they need? You know what we need? We need our gospel. We need to know what we know. And that is this, that Jesus is living, that He is redeeming, that He can take whatever it is that is going on and He will turn this for His good. And that church is as far as we're going to get this morning. To be able to say and to express what we don't know so that we don't become fools like Zophar, but also to confidently express what we do know. That we have a Savior God in Jesus Christ, and He lives. We're starting today a brand new sermon season, and this is just the beginning. Just the beginning to know that, that, that the mystery of God and the plans of God are as wide as the ocean, and it would be foolish of us to, to try to figure out exactly what he's doing, kind of like trying to measure the ocean with a tablespoon. We can never know. But it's not just the mystery of God that it's wise as, wide as the ocean. It's also his love. It's also our future with Him. And that's what we're just beginning to express here today. Amen.